everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. Covering this case that we've been covering as of last night, it's really sort of baffling that it has this effect, that something so simple as, as a divorce could end up and so sinister as a murder for hire. And when this case finally, when it does get completed, and it could take numerous more years, it could turn out that an entire family is taken down. So far, there have been four people arrested and convicted, and another person arrested, not yet convicted. The matriarch, Donna Adelson, of this very powerful Miami family. So, ladies and gentlemen, you're about to enter a true crime zone that's off the cuff. So hang on to your seats and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, true crime from a police perspective. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped in Tampa Ranch, Michael Biden. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. This is how the local news station reported on Donna Adelson's arrest. For you knew the mother of a South Florida dentist convicted in a murder for hire killing appeared in court today following her arrest. Donna Adelson was taken into custody at Miami International Airport last night. Local 10 News reporter Syrah Onwar is live outside the jail in West Miami Dade. And Syrah, I know you have some new details on the arrest and the charges she's now facing. That's right, Denise and Christy. Just one week after her son was convicted uh, for murder, Donna Adelson is now behind bars. A state attorney says she was arrested at the airport while she was trying to fly to Vietnam, possibly to evade extradition. A grandmother behind bars this morning in Miami-Dade County. Donna Adelson appearing before a bond judge after she was arrested and charged with murder, conspiracy, and solicitation out of Leon County. We, the jury, find as follows as to count one of the indictment, first-degree murder. Last week, a jury in Tallahassee convicted Donna's son, Broward periodontist Charlie Adelson, in the murder-for-hire death of his ex-brother-in-law, Florida State Professor Steve Markell. Evidence has shown that on July 18, 2014, this brilliant man was gunned down in broad daylight in the driveway of his own home. His conviction After stated he hired hitmen to kill Markell in 2014, while Markell was in a bitter custody battle with Adelson's sister, Wendy. In Charlie's trial, the prosecution continuously brought up Wendy and Donna's names and evidence during the length of the trial, indicating the two women as co-conspirators, hinting that they too would face charges in Markell's death. So who did it appear had a motive to want Dan Markell dead? His own family. Markel was shot in the head twice on July 18th of 2014 in his parked car just outside of his home in Tallahassee. 
Charlie Adelson was convicted of first-degree murder along with other charges related to Markel's death. Three other individuals convicted in the plot to kill Markel are already serving sentences, including Charlie Adelson's ex-girlfriend Catherine Magbanwa, who confessed to connecting Charlie Adelson to the two other hitmen. And now we have an excerpt from Donna Adelson's arrest document that says, quote, jail calls from after Charles Adelson's guilty verdict include multiple calls in which Donna Adelson is telling Charles she is getting things in order, creating trusts and making sure her grandchildren are taken care of. Donna discusses plans for a suicide, but also discusses plans to flee to a non-extradition country. So back out here live again, uh, Donna Adelson was arrested at the airport. That state attorney says she was a uh, trying to get to Vietnam. Now, as far as extradition, since she is in state here, uh, Leon County authorities now have 15 days uh, to come here and pick her up from the Correctional Center here at TGK in Miami-Dade County. That is very latest live here. In so just incredible. And, you, you know, you question also um, the naivete of this, of this woman, Donna Adelson, and the entire family. And I mentioned on last night's show, you know, these are educated people. That Does that mean they're smart? Well, I think to become a dentist, a periodontist, and of course, Wendy has a law degree, you have to be somewhat somewhat smart, you know? But we used there was a favorite expression we used to use on the, on the police department. Common sense is not all that common sometimes. And just think of... Donna Adelson making these phone calls to her son in jail. Everyone, I think everyone knows that jail phones are not free speech, that they're recorded, yet she chose to call on his jail phone as if it was just a regular phone that they could uh, converse on like nothing else was happening. And how about talking about fleeing the country to a, a, a country that doesn't have, first Dubai, stop over in Dubai, and then going to flee to Vietnam because they don't have extradition treaty with the United States. But does that mean that they won't allow the United States to bring you back? Most countries, even if they don't have extradition treaties, they don't want other countries' murderers in their country. So I don't know why she thought she could freely talk about this and to me, that is a little bit a uh, little bit baffling. Family murder plot unravels. Donna Adelson arrested at the airport trying to flee. Uh, unbelievable, right? So for nearly a decade, this according to the New York Times, the sensational killing of a prominent Florida law professor in 2014 centered on a single sordid question. Did his ex-wife's family motivated by an ugly custody dispute, hire hitmen to murder him. And one of the things the jury has spoken, yes, they did. Charlie Adelson, in less than two weeks ago, was just convicted of murder first degree for this. Uh, when he was convicted, you know, he's potentially going to get a, a life sentence in prison. When he was convicted, Mr. Adelson closed his eyes, mouth, no, and put his head down when the verdict was read at the Leon County Courthouse in Tallahassee, Florida. The jury deliberated for a little more than three hours after eight days of testimony, including from 
Mr. Adelson himself, who took the rare step of testifying in his own defense. That's, you know, unbelievable also, that most of the time defendants uh, do not testify. The victim, Mr. Markell, 41, was a well-known legal scholar at Florida State University, and he was shot on July 18, 2014, in his home in an upscale Tallahassee neighborhood. The police found him wounded, and he died 14 hours later at a hospital. Mr. Adelson, a 47-year-old periodontist from Fort Lauderdale, is at this point the fourth person convicted in Mr. Markell's death, which has been dissected over the years in news articles, television shows, and podcasts. According to the Times, it has been more than nine years since Danny was brutally murdered in cold blood and has taken a tremendous effort to get to this point. His parents, Ruth Markell and Phil Markell, said in a statement after the verdict almost two weeks ago. According to prosecutors, Mr. Adelson arranged and paid for two men, Sigfredo Garcia and Luis Rivera, who was a former leader of the North Miami Latin Kings gang, to drive to Tallahassee from Miami and kill Mr. Markell so that his ex-wife, Wendy Adelson, could relocate to South Florida with the couple's two young sons. A judge had denied her relocation petition after the divorce. The murder was arranged... Uh, according to prosecutors, through Catherine Magbanua, uh, Mr. Adelson's girlfriend at the time, who had two children with Mr. Garcia. So Mr. Garcia was her baby daddy. I incorrectly said yesterday it was her husband. It's sort of a common law husband when you have children in common. Mr. Rivera pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in 2016. He was sentenced to 19 years in prison and testified against Mr. Garcia uh, Ms. Magbanua and Mr. Adelson. A jury convicted Mr. Garcia of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder in 2019. He was sentenced to life in prison. The same jury that convicted Mr. Garcia could not agree on whether to convict uh, Ms. Magbanua. Prosecutors retried her case last year after delays caused by the coronavirus pandemic. She was found guilty of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and solic solicitation of murder. Her sentence was life in prison with two additional 30-year sentences to run consecutively with her life term. Ms. Magbanua, who had insisted she was not involved in the murder, flipped her story during Mr. Adelson's trial and testified against him. Clad in purple prison uniform, she said that she had directed her to get Mr. Garcia and Mr. Rivera to carry out the hit. So this is a multi-multi-tiered case. And now what we wonder is, how many more people can be charged in this case? And will you see this chart up on the screen? Of course, the upper left is the victim, Dan Markell. And then we see Wendy Adelson, who is the, the wife of Dan Markell, who at this current time is free. She's out there free. And she was given immunity to testify at the trial of Luis Rivera and recently at her brother's trial. However, that is not blanket immunity, meaning that if they come up with prosecution, comes up with independent evidence against her, she can still be charged.
It seems like she's very confident at this point that she won't be charged, but I don't think she should really have that confidence because as we know, the rules, the, the wheels of justice move very slowly and methodically. And she should know that as an attorney, that there is no statute of limitations on murder. And the confidence she has that she won't be charged, I think, will wane when now she's seen her mother arrested for trying to flee the country. This is Good Morning America reporting on this today. Arrest in a murder for hire plot that left the Florida State law professor dead nearly a decade ago. The victim's former mother-in-law was taken into custody as police say she was trying to leave the country. Victor Okendo is in Miami with more. Good morning, Victor. Good morning, Michael. Donna Adelson was arrested right here at Miami International Airport on the jetway as she was getting ready to board a one-way flight to Vietnam. That's a country without extradition to the United States. Now she's in custody in Miami, waiting to be transferred to Tallahassee. Nearly a decade after a prominent FSU law professor was shot and killed in a murder-for-hire plot, this morning, a shocking new development. Ma'am, you were arrested on a warrant from Leon County, Florida. Dan Markell's former mother-in-law, Donna Adelson, now facing murder charges. The 73-year-old arrested at Miami International Airport Monday night after attempting to board a one-way flight to Vietnam. She was apprehended on the jetway getting on that plane. She had literally checked in and was walking into the plane. 41-year-old Markel was gunned down in the driveway of his Tallahassee home in 2014 while in a bitter custody battle with his ex-wife, Wendy Adelson, who wanted to relocate their two boys to South Florida to be closer to her family. But Markel refused. That's why prosecutors say the Adelson family took matters into their own hands. So who did it appear had a motive to want Dan Markel dead? His own family. Just last week, Wendy's brother, Charles Adelson, was convicted for Markel's murder. The Florida dentist also found guilty of soliciting and conspiring with two hitmen to carry it out. Now prosecutors say their mother, Donna, helped arrange that murder plot, too. In this police surveillance video, an undercover FBI agent confronts Adelson and demands more money after the murder. Investigators say she later made this call to her son. That's some paperwork hand-delivered to me. Does it involve me or other people? Well, According to the probable cause affidavit obtained by ABC News, Donna spoke to Charles in multiple jail calls over the past week where she told him she was getting things in order, creating trust and making sure her grandchildren are taken care of. She even discussed plans for suicide or fleeing to a non-extradition country. Soon after, prosecutors claimed she booked that one-way flight to Vietnam with a layover in Dubai. When we found that she was leaving the country, extradition would have been an issue. And that was when the decision was made that we needed to kind of expedite. Adelson appearing before a Miami judge Tuesday morning, being held without bond. The Markell family not commenting on her arrest, but telling ABC News in September how relieved they were after Charles was arrested. Because it's taken so long. We want the people that are involved to pay the price. Both Donna and her daughter, Wendy, Markel's ex, have previously denied any involvement in the crime. Wendy has never been charged. Guys, all right, Victor, thank you for your... Amazing. You know, one of the most amazing things to me here is just, you know, it's a contentious divorce, right? Uh, and apparently the family offered uh, 
Daniel Markell a million dollars to allow his children to live in Miami, and he turned it down. Uh, I guess he, he didn't want this family controlling him, or it seems like they used their money to get what they wanted to get. But they just didn't... I mean, to, to, to plan a hit, to actually not just plan it, but carry out a hit on their sister, sister Wendy's husband because the divorce wasn't going well for her uh, is baffling. Did they just maybe watch too many episodes of The Sopranos? I mean, how did they think? And the clumsy way which they went about this, and when you talk about uh, on the screen right now, that is... Uh, Luis Rivera, the Latin king uh, that they used. And, and the second person here I'm showing you is um, Sigfredo Garcia, who I said incorrectly yesterday was, was married to Catherine Magbanua, but they were not married in the true sense. They had two children in common. And there is Catherine Magbanua. And there's in these situations, normally do people that go about their lives on the up and up have a regular job, do they know people that will kill people for money? Most of the time, no. In my experience, my 27 years on the NYPD, my 10 years in homicide, most of the time people that are John Q citizens don't know people like that. However, then what was the connection? Here it is right here. Catherine Magbanua, who enlisted these two men. Louis Rivera, a Latin king. And her baby daddy or baby's father, whichever lingo you want to use, uh, Sigfredo Garcia. And, you know, it's funny when they first, when Sigfredo enlisted Luis Rivera, when he told them about the financial situation, you know what Luis Rivera said? Why should we do the hit? Let's just rip them off. Let's just rip the money. So you understand what you're dealing with. What, you know, and here we have Sigfredo Garcia is now, after trial, sentenced to life without parole. And... Luis Rivera cut a deal, cut a deal that infuriated the defense attorneys. In essence, he cut a deal to do seven years. He, he owes 12 on something else, so he's going to do 19. To testify, they gave him a deal. And, you know, that's the criminal justice system. Sometimes you got to deal with the devil to get a bigger devil, you know. And this was the devil. So, but don't forget this, this picture on the screen, Harvey Adelson, the patriarch of this family, a dentist, a millionaire, also fled, well, was caught in Miami, but he's not charged. At this point, he's not under arrest. He's free to go about his life. However, his wife, Donna Adelson, is not free to go out about her life. And she's 73 years old. And someone brought up the um, in the chat before that 
might they cut a deal with her? Might they give her a deal like, well, she's 73 years old. Do 15 years, you know, that's going to make you, well, it's going to make you 92 years old. So to that question, I don't see a deal being made with her at all. I see, I think that the prosecutor feels that she was the catalyst, her and Charlie Adelson, were the catalyst behind this that pushed this, that made this happen. So I believe that they want her to go to trial so they can really send her the, to prison for the rest of her life. And again, she's 73 years old. How long is the rest of her life? This is a woman who's used to the best things in life, a wealthy woman, and used to getting what she wants. And when you think about that, was she the catalyst behind this? And we have lots of surveillance. We have lots. There was a wiretap. We have cell phones. We have text messages. We have video footage. So there's no doubt that if she takes this to trial, uh, it doesn't look good for her. It absolutely does not look good for that she will that she'll come out on top of this. You know, she has a very, very good chance of getting convicted. And that is what uh, we believe will happen. Let me play a little bit of this here. Against his former brother-in-law, Dan Markell, the victim in that case, Adelson family matriarch, matriarch, the mother, Donna Adelson, was arrested last night in Miami one week after Charlie Adelson, her son, was found guilty in the first-degree murder in the 2014 death of Markell, a former Florida State professor. Charlie Adelson's conviction made him the fourth person in Dan Mel Markell's murder to be convicted in the case The Triggerman, Sigfredo Garcia, and Adelson's ex-girlfriend, Catherine Magbanwa, were found guilty in separate trials. A third man, Luis Rivera, took a plea deal for second-degree murder and cooperated with law enforcement authorities in the prosecution of the remaining co-defendants. Donald Adelson was reportedly, get this, arrested in Miami and into International Airport after she and her husband allegedly purchased one-way tickets to Vietnam. Why not? Authorities booked her on an out-of-county felony warrant, but no charges have been specified yet. With me right now to break this all down, all down is a special guest and criminal defense attorney, Tim Jansen, who has been following the Dan Markell murder case from the very beginning. Uh, Tim, I know that uh, you are the guy because all the producers, everybody talks about how intimately you are involved in this case. So let me just toss it to you. Like, what kind of seismic uh, effect has this? Yes, you know, folks, yes, her husband was going with her to Vietnam. So when you think of that, he's leaving behind his multi-million dollar dental practice and the riches and everything he has in, uh, in Miami to flee with his wife to a foreign country, Vietnam, that does not have extradition treaty with the United States. However, that doesn't mean they won't um, release her to the United States authorities. It just means there's more red tape. There's more 
paperwork involved that could take a longer period of time. But so she was a little bit um, misinformed when she thinks that she could just go there and live happily ever after. So, but yes, her husband, uh, Harvey Adelson, was with her. Stand up guy. Stand by your woman. I know it's the song, Stand By Your Man, but stand by your woman in, in regards to Harvey Adelson. This arrest of the mother had, and what are your thoughts as to why it happened, when it happened, and how good a case the prosecutors have? Well, the, the public has been clamoring for Donna to get arrested. And the reason that is because during the trial of her son, Charlie, the state played lots of evidence that clearly showed Donna was involved in this conspiracy. She looked like she was the lady that was moving the plans to happen. And she's on recorded calls, very damning evidence. And I think they were going to move to indict her. But when they got wind of the fact that she was getting a one-way ticket with her husband, Harvey, to Vietnam, they decided that they were going to go ahead and arrest her. You know, just like in, uh, for those of you who had followed the Gilgo Beach case, just like in the case of Rex and of course, this is a totally different case. I'm just going to draw one parallel to that, is that law enforcement decided to arrest Rex Human maybe before they wanted to because they were concerned that he was doing some of the same bad things that uh, they believe made him the Gilgo Beach serial killer. Now, in the case of Donna here, they didn't want to wait any longer because she was fleeing the jurisdiction. And even though it doesn't make it impossible for them to extradite her from Vietnam, it makes it more difficult. So did they have probable cause? Absolutely. She wouldn't be under arrest right now if they didn't. And it is important because the agent that was down there was Agent Pat Sanford, the FBI agent. And Jack Campbell, the state attorney, had previously done research that it's very hard to extradite from Vietnam. It's very cumbersome. And it's long proceedings. And they did research. So they knew ahead of time she was on a no-fly list or an alert fly list that they sent the FBI agent to Miami from Tallahassee to be there and take her in custody last night. You know, Tim, as a former homicide prosecutor and, and having run a lot of cases, I've been very impressed with the prosecution team here. There have been a lot of strategical decisions. They flipped one defendant. They went yep. after Catherine. Ultimately, they got a conviction of her. And both her and the other co-defendant who were convicted, Catherine, wanted to actually testify. So prosecutors had to navigate that nuance. Should we have her come in? What would her credibility be? Well, obviously, they made the right decision because there was another conviction there. So let me ask you with regard to this arrest of Donna. Is it you think simply because of the flight aspect of it, or do you believe they have the, enough evidence to continue once again with yet another trial, which prosecutors hate to do to try the same case over and over and over again, that they think they got the goods on her from the factual standpoint? Oh, they, they've got the evidence to prosecute her. And here, here's what happened with Charlie's trial was a dry run of Donna. A lot of the evidence came in against Donna, and the jury verdict against Charlie came back really quick. And the jury verdict against Charlie came back in little more than three hours. So how powerful was that evidence? So now 
some of the same evidence that was used to convict Charlie Adelson can be used to convict Donna. All of these phone calls, all of these text messages, the wire, which they called the bump, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but such damning evidence. And then when you have the actual criminal that was involved in this testifying against Charlie, and when you have Catherine uh, Magbanua, who was already convicted, and now she comes back and testifies against her former lover, Charlie Adelson. Jurors love that. They love that type of testimony. So now Donna Adelson, you know, let's bring in some of the same witnesses that convicted her son, Charlie. And it's, I feel if they, could they offer her a plea deal? I don't see it. I don't see them offering her a plea deal. First of all, she's 73 years old. They don't care whether she dies in prison or not. They really don't. What they look at, what the prosecutor looks at, what the FBI looks at, what the police look at is that this is the woman that hired, indirectly hired these thugs to kill her son-in-law. So why would we show her mercy? And that's ultimately what that would be, showing mercy to this woman. And I don't think... The prosecutor will look at it from that perspective. No, we're not showing any mercy. She doesn't deserve mercy. Did she show mercy to her son-in-law when she hired two thugs to shoot him in the head? No. Let her take it to trial. And I think they listened to the jurors, that they interviewed jurors. And I think they were moving forward to go against Donna. And I think her trip to... Vietnam only sped up the process of her being prosecuted. I think they have enough to charge her. I think they have enough to convict her. It's going to be circumstantial. But I think the, the consciousness of guilt and fleeing is going to be overwhelming evidence for a jury. And when you hear that term, and I know my co-host, my sometimes co-host Mike Geary, loves that expression, consciousness of guilt. And what that really shows is that, well, I did something wrong. Let me leave my beautiful life in Miami and let me flee to a country I've never never lived in, in Vietnam, because guess what? They don't have an extradition treaty with the United States, so I'm going to run there. And, you know, how is that answered to a jury? How does a jury accept that as that, again, consciousness of guilt? We hear that lawyers use that term over and over and over again. And the state attorney has already said he's going to introduce it, and that will be admissible in a court, mm -hmm. that it's going to be very difficult for her to beat these charges. Yeah, Tim, just so our audience understands, flight is something where they read a charge at the end of the case talking about a consciousness of guilt. In other words, right. that they may indicate, amongst other evidence, that the person is guilty of the crime. I'm curious, Tim, nobody knows this case better than you. Are we no. at the end here, or do we expect to see other people indicted in this case? So, 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 Bob, here's the problem we have, and I've been telling people this for a long time. Everybody wants Wendy arrested. Everybody hates Wendy. I understand that. Who gained more than anybody? Wendy did. But here's the problem you got. You've got some tape recordings in this case that exculpate Wendy. Her brother and her mother are talking and says, when the bump happens, who does this involve? And Donna says, the two of us, inferring Charlie and Donna. 
later in the tape when it's getting more inconvenient for them, both of them are saying, Wendy doesn't realize how good she has it. No, she really doesn't understand how lucky she is. Another inference that Wendy had no knowledge or participation. And then finally, you have the issue with the subpoenas. She was given derivative use immunity three times to testify in the trials, which is a hurdle for the state now to use any of that information mm. against her. Her lawyers will have an expert, and I, I was just informed an hour ago that Wendy sought an expert in Castigar issues in Atlanta for the very purpose of protecting her and preventing her from being charged. I do not believe Wendy will be charged. I don't think they have enough evidence. I think the Castigar issues are too significant, and I think some of the evidence they have is exculpatory against her. Yeah, that, that is an unbelievable analysis. And the fact that the prosecution was using her uh, is, is something that makes just from a credibility standpoint. You know, that's uh, Wendy was given uh, immunity to testify. However, not blanket immunity. So I'm not obviously this uh, this attorney uh, is knows the law a lot better than I do. However, she doesn't have blanket immunity and they can come up with some evidence separate and independent from her testimony, which, of course, because of her immunity agreement, cannot be used against her. Isn't there a possibility? And I would love to ask this of this attorney. Isn't there a possibility that they can discover independent evidence that show and shows her involvement in this that would allow for her prosecution. I mean, th these are complex legal issues for attorneys to answer. Point that extremely difficult. Well, you listen, you talked about the bump, and a big part of the case is what yeah. authorities refer to as the bump of Donald Adelson, which is when an undercover agent pretending to be a blackmailer approached Adelson outside her home to get the family to start talking about Markel's murder. And I've said this before, Tim. To me, again, this is great prosecution, great investigating by using these techniques in order to drum up people to start talking. So let's take a listen right now how this operation played out. This is from Charlie Adelson's trial. All right, let's move on to the bump. Was now, folks, just to explain what the bump is, is that the FBI used an undercover to approach Donna Adelson. And what this would do is it, it almost seemed to her, for her perception of a, a an attempt to extort money from her on behalf of uh, Louis Rivera. And that was brilliantly played out by the FBI because what it did was it forced the players, Charlie Adelson and Don Adelson, to start calling each other. And it worked just the way the FBI intended it to work and thus, it's called the bump. It's not unique to this case. Law enforcement does use that. And they were also up on a wire. So they got to hear all these calls right after it happened. Boom. Is that an accident? No, not at all. Was the bump on April 19th, 2016? Correct. What time of day was the bump? 
Um, I believe it was around uh, 145, 150, somewhere around there. Okay, in the afternoon? In the afternoon, yes. Were you involved in that operation? Yes, I was. What was your role? Um, I was the lead agent, um, came up with the, uh, brought the undercover down there and we uh, coordinated everything. Okay. What was the purpose of the bomb? The purpose was um, we had just began Title III on the individuals and we knew it had been two years after the homicide and we wanted to purport the undercover agent to pretend to be somebody that Luis Rivera knew. Luis Rivera was currently in prison at the time, had been in jail, was in prison, and we wanted to make it seem that Luis Rivera was talking to people and telling people what he had done and possibly even want money, more money out of it because his family was struggling because he was in prison. Why did you select Donna Adelson to be the recipient of this bump? Because we, we noticed the pattern of calls leading up to the murder and uh, around the time of the murder. Um, the calls were always Donna Adelson to Charlie Adelson to Catherine Magbanwa to Sigfredo Garcia and then back. It was always going back and forth pretty much in that order. Um, so we wanted to start it on one end and see what would happen, see if it would if it would uh, travel that same that same line of uh, person, people. All right, just so everybody knows, as soon as we have the first appearance for Donald Adelson, we will be moving as quickly as we can to get that to you. I have in studio with me Wayne Dennison, who's a trial attorney, and I also have Joe Richardson, a civil rights attorney, with me as well. But before I get to our two awesome guests, Tim, I just want to ask you one question. Talk to me about the law enforcement procedures, the bump, and mm -hmm. basically your viewpoint on how investigators went about developing this evidence. So the, the most important thing here was the Title III wire, right? That was to be able to record conversations. Very hard to get. It's limited for 30 days normally. You have to go back to that judge. And so what happens? They need information within 30 days. It's a time-tested technique. You do a bump. You go to one of the conspirators, conspirators, and it was two years after the murder. So you go to one and hope they talk. And, and this is, you see it on the screen. They go to Donna and see what happens, and it worked beautifully. It got all the co-conspirators talking, and what the FBI believed was a conspiracy proved to be true. They, the phone calls went one, 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 all the way down, and it was consistent with their view of the conspiracy, and it worked well. All right, Tim, before we get to those other guests, I gotta, I gotta keep drilling you down because you know this case, like I said, so well. Tell me something that we don't know about, that the media doesn't know about, or something that you feel was underreported that you felt was really important to the outcome, the favorable outcome to prosecutors in this case. Well, one of the most important things was, um, you know, Wendy came in and testified for the third time. The defense in their opening gave this crazy double extortion theory, right? And the extortion theory was that we were being extorted by Meg Bono, blah, blah, blah. Wendy gets called to the stand. The prosecutor asks her, have you ever heard of this? She says, no, I heard about it 10 minutes ago. She goes, oh, so your family knew who murdered your ex-husband, the father of your children, and they didn't tell you, no. And they allowed you and let you move closer to the murderers in Miami and didn't tell you, no. 
very it just destroyed your case. And and then Wendy said, I don't know if it's true or not. His own sister basically said his extortion defense was was hogwash. And we always look at motives in this case. Um, did you find anything about this case that was peculiar in terms of the motive and the number of people that wound up getting involved in this twisted tale? Because it, it is, even from the standpoint of a homicide, former homicide prosecutor, a, a very circuitous and kind of different murder case than you typically get. What struck you as being different about this case? It looked like the matriarch, the mom, orchestrated this entire thing. She was more concerned about seeing her grandkids having them relocate than Wendy was. Charlie didn't care one, one way or the other. He's living a fancy life, chasing young women. But it was, it was Donna. It was all Donna's doing. Look at the emails. Look at the conversations. She's telling her daughter, you need to buck up. You need to start acting. And we believe the evidence of motive. We believe it wasn't for Donna. This crime would not have been committed. And let me further ask you, with respect to Bagbamwa and, and other defendants in the case, do you expect that there's going to be any favorable treatment for them, uh, for any help or assistance that they gave the prosecutors, to, despite the fact that it happened after their convictions? Well, Meg Bonawa has the worst baggage of any witness. I don't know what she could do or give any testimony against Donna. Um, they had to call her because of this extortion theory. I don't believe the state wanted to call her. But she's not getting any deal until after Donna's trial. And if anybody else is charged, just remember, Donna was with Harvey at the airport. Harvey was not taken into custody. He was released. We certainly don't believe Harvey had any enough evidence against him. Um, Wendy still has not been charged. Um, and we don't believe, I, I personally don't believe they have enough evidence to charge her. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about the prosecutors in the case in the you know, I think that, um, I mean, this attorney obviously is, is a smart guy, and um, he doesn't think that um, that Wendy, they, that they have enough to charge Wendy right now. However, um, that's right now. They're, they can still develop evidence. There could also be a creative way that they could use these, the criminals already convicted, that they could use them to testify against Wendy. Although it seems that that Wendy kept her hands clean in regards to being out of this situation. She didn't dirty herself. I'll put it that way. She didn't get her hands dirty. Uh, she let other people do this to the point where maybe she was too smart. Maybe with her law degree and knowing that the way the criminal justice system works, she was smart enough to not talk on the phone smart enough to not text, smart enough to be dumb as a fox, as they say. This is Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories. If you like real crime, true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. And if you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and ring that bell. If you want to contribute to us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. and We also have a YouTube channel memberships with five different levels, and you see the folks with the green font in the chat. They're part of our YouTube friends and family, and we really appreciate everything they do for us. Um, I wanted to play a little bit of Wendy and her testimony, and you could get a little view of her. And most people that have been following this case, you could see the venom they have toward her and how they feel that 
she belongs in handcuffs. And let's watch her testify. I did not. So you never turned on Trescott Drive that day? I went to turn on Trescott Drive, but I saw that it had been blocked off by some tape. And so I just kept driving on Centerville. Okay. And when you, you had to turn around at the tape, right, to go back out? I think I tried to turn right and it couldn't turn. So I would have made like a, the kind of turn, like a K turn and kept going. Was there a roadblock there with? There was tape. Yeah. And an officer was there. I didn't see an officer, but I did see a car. Not even curious about what's going on in that street, by the way. So um, that was right, you know, right around the time of the murders or just after the murder of, of Dan Markell. So that's a big question. Was she going to visit the scene, make sure everything happened? Is that evidence that she knew something here? Uh, Julie Janae um, went back to this scene and has this report for us tonight. What did Wendy Adelson see when she almost drove by a crime scene on July 18th of 2014? We're on Trescott Drive, where Dan Markell lived. And on the day that he was murdered, his ex-wife testified that she took this very street on her way to a liquor store before she was notified he'd been killed. Prosecutors allege that if she had no involvement, then the police cars and roadblock and crime scene tape on this street should have raised her alarm. When you drove to ABC Liquor, you tried to go through Trescott. Is that fair to say? It was blocked. There are other ways to go to ABC Liquor, right? You could have gone down other roads. I don't have the best sense of direction, so when I find a route, I just kind of keep using that route. We retraced Wendy's route that day. She would have been coming from Centerville Road, a more commercial street, and she left Centerville to pass through Benton Hills on Trescott Drive, a much more residential road with several caution signs. Then it takes us another two and a half minutes after leaving Centerville Road to get close to Markell's home on Trescott. Wendy testified to something different. She said she barely made it onto Trescott before she saw police. I went to turn on Trescott Drive, but I saw that it had been blocked off by some tape. And so I just kept driving on Centerville. There was tape. Yeah, and an officer was there. I didn't see an officer, but I did see a car. A, a law enforcement marked vehicle. This is around where that police roadblock would have been, according to the officer on the scene. So there's crime scene tape uh, on the property that her ex lives and she wasn't curious enough to go check that out to see maybe something nefarious had happened there she just drives by it is that believable i don't know i don't think so but you know that's certainly not enough to charge her with but it's not believable scenes testimony wendy claimed she couldn't see what was happening at markel's house from her car it's the one you see there with the brick mailbox uh, it's about two houses from that speed hump sign and the road winds out to where it's more visible to see that mailbox but you can't make out exactly because of the trees the actual house building basically the investigators and the crime scene techs taking care of their portion and the crime scene tech vehicles are marked police and have lights on them and stuff would it have been obvious to someone approaching your position in a vehicle 
that there was activity, law enforcement activity going on at that residence. It seems, it seems likely. If the roadblock was set up where Officer Bill Brandon recalled between three and six houses away from the scene, it appears emergency vehicles parked along this narrow road would have been visible and obvious to drivers, but the car where Markel was ambushed, it would have been out of sight. I just assumed it was weather, maybe a tree fell. Did you attempt to call Dan Markel when you encountered the roadblock? No, I didn't think anything of it. After Wendy Adelson was turned around at this location, she completed her stop at the store and then went to lunch with friends. It's there that an investigator interrupted that lunch to let her know the tragic news of her ex-husband's shooting. All right, let's bring back in our guest, Bob Mata, Carl Steinbeck, Dave Arenberg. Dave, an, an so it, ju it just seems that her behavior relative to, uh, to what had just occurred the, the the shooting of her husband. Did she not know about that? Did she seriously not know what was about to happen? Now with Donna Adelson, um, you know, many people think that she, of course, was the catalyst behind this whole case, that she was the one who put this whole thing in motion, that, uh, that pushed to have her son-in-law killed. And for that reason, again, to, to reiterate what I said before, there's no way she's getting any deal. She's getting no deal whatsoever. Would the prosecutor love to bring Wendy into this? You bet. But does Donna have information that she would trade to have her daughter brought into this, to have her daughter arrested? You know, there is no honor in thieves, you know, and uh, would she would she do that? Again, for Wendy to be charged and prosecuted, she does not have blanket immunity, which means immunity to everything. She has immunity based on what she testified to. And much of the evidence, according to some attorneys, is exculpatory that she wasn't named, but... She had the most to gain from her husband, her ex-husband, uh, Daniel Markell, Markell, to be eliminated. Let's play this from Court TV. Thinks she's above the law, thinks she's smarter than everyone else, and all of her worldview has crashed around her. And no wonder why she was taken off and heading to Dubai and Vietnam. So she thought she can get away with it. It's interesting that the tickets were bought bought just a day after the trial, so after the verdict came out. It leads me to believe that the claims of suicide were really just fake, that she was always intent on leaving because right after the verdict, she decided to get out of Dodge. I don't know how serious the whole suicide thing would be at that point. So look, she's not gonna do well uh, there. I just think the only way she could ever get out of prison before she dies is if she decides to play ball with prosecutors and give up Wendy, which she's not going to do, or perhaps even give up her husband, Harvey, which maybe she does, outside chance. But either way, things are not going to go well for her. So, Jason, as I, I'm, I'm looking at the dynamic here and, and who's really calling the shots. The more I hear, the more I think there's a stronger argument that it's Donna. That Donna is the one that seems to be spiraling out of control in this custody battle. 
Yeah, it seems she she was calling the shots. She was absolutely calling the shots. That doesn't mean that Wendy, uh, the ex-wife, wasn't herself morally and legal, legally culpable. I think she was. Um, she clearly knew in advance. But Donna was the, the one that was driving this train. It's important, you know, you showed in the clips, it's not just the battle over whether they were going to relocate. That had kind of been decided, even though um, Donna was still pushing it. But it was this motion that Dan filed saying that because she had trashed him in front of his kids, that she shouldn't be able to have unsupervised visits with his kids anymore. And I think that must have been just such an incredible affront to her as a narcissist who thought that she was this amazing grandmother and mother. Um, and he shattered that with that motion. He had been, he felt like he was being trampled on during the divorce proceedings. And he felt like he needed to stand up for himself. That's what he did. And then the family took this horrible course of action. I want you all to take another listen to more of Wendy Adelson's testimony here. Um, this is from an email, and I think it's very, very revealing, again, about the mindset of Donna, who has now been charged in this murder. All right, are those emails between you and your mother? Um, I don't think I responded. I think they're just emails from my mom to me. No. Okay, mostly all from your mom. Yeah. It reads, however, the rest of your life and consequently dad's, mine, and yes, even Charlie's will be affected by how well you can perform slash act before July 31st. You need to be a good actress when you, or you can be a good actress when you want to. I've seen you in action. You need to put on the performance of your life. Jibbers hasn't beaten the Adelson family yet. Who's Jibbers? Jibbers, she's referring to Danny. Okay, Carl. Wow, she was uh, she was being coached by her mother, and which I think one of the reasons the prosecutor put that in there was she wanted to show that uh, that Wendy had this proclivity to be a good actress to act to act things out when she needed to, and uh, so that that was I believe why the prosecutor put that on. And look again at Donna, how she is pulling the strings, how she is uh, controlling things. And one of the things we, we talk about also is the husband, Harvey. He was picked up at the airport with Donna. However, he was not charged. Does that preclude him from potentially being charged in the future? The answer to that is no. He absolutely could be charged down the road. So all of these are more questions that we have. And it just, it brings it all the time back to this little chart here. And so far, from the middle and to Charlie's right, everyone has been arrested, charged, and convicted. Then we go in, the, in this chart to the left, and there's Donna Adelson, who has just been arrested. To her left is Harvey Adelson. He's a free man so far. Could he be arrested? Hey, could happen. And at the very top, next to her deceased husband, the picture of her deceased husband, is Wendy Adelson. And she is the person that everyone wants to see go down. However, 
again, according to some, it'll be a very, very difficult prosecution to get to get her because not blanket immunity, she has immunity, but not blanket immunity. So they'd have to come up with independent evidence against her that could charge her. And again, according to some, some of the testimony and some of even the audio tapes and the wiretaps, there was what was considered to be exculpatory evidence in connection with Wendy. So again, if the prosecution is going to charge her, they will have to come up with strong, independent evidence that has nothing to do with her testimony with which she was given immunity. If you're looking for a good attorney in a New York metropolitan area, then Joe Murray is your man. Joe Murray is a retired NYPD member of the service, a police officer, now a defense attorney. And you can reach Joe on his cell phone at 718-514-3855 or email him at joe at jmurray-law.com or go on his website, jmurray-law.com. Joe Murray is not only a fabulous defense attorney, but also he's a big supporter of the Police Off the Cuff podcast, and we really appreciate uh, everything Joe Murray has done for us uh, in the past, and he's staying with us in the future. He helps support this show. I want to play a little bit of Luis Rivera, his testimony, and he's one of the well, one of the would-be shooters, uh, and he was the Latin king who was hired uh, along with um, Sigfredo Garcia, put into motion by Catherine Magbanua, who was uh, the mother of uh, Sigfredo Garcia's uh, two children, or he was her daddy. Where did you follow him this time? Follow him to the daycare and to the gym. Was there a reason that the murder had to get done on the day it did? It was just the right thing, the right opportunity, I guess. Okay. Did you have any information that the victim was going to be leaving town the day after the homicide occurred? Yes, ma'am. Is the answer struck? Yes, not struck. All right. So. How did you find out that the victim was leaving town the following day? I can't remember that good. Was it from a blog? Objection, Your Honor. It's not leading, Your Honor. Was it from a blog? Yes, ma'am. Okay, what blog was that? The blog was Wendy. No, I was I was saying from the computer. Did you read? Oh no, 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 no. Okay, so somebody gave you the information. Yeah, somebody else. A person. A person. And and how did you actually talk to the person? No, ma'am. Who talked to the person? Tuto or Garcia. Garcia talked to the person. Talked to right. Katie. Okay, so Garcia got the information from Katie. Yes, ma'am. And do we know where Katie got it from? I don't know. Okay, were you present when Garcia talked to Katie and found out yes, we got to do it today? Yes, ma'am. It was on the phone. I'm sorry. That was on the phone speaking. He was talking to Katie on the phone. Yes, ma'am. And you were present for that. I was in the car. 
who was driving the green Prius on like whenever you were following Mr. Markell right before the murder? Me. Did you go to, I think you said the daycare. Where else did you go that day? The gym. Have you seen the video surveillance from the gym in this case? I have seen it now. Yeah, where the green Prius is at the gym. Have you uh, seen that? I've seen it. And is that you driving that Prius? Yes, ma'am. Okay, is Garcia in the vehicle as well? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Did you know whether or not the kids were in the car at the time you were at the gym? No, he dropped them off. I seen him when he dropped them off in the daycare. So you actually saw the kids go into the daycare? Yes, ma'am. So is it after the daycare that you proceed to the gym? Yes. And what about after that? You follow him to his house. All right. So did you wait in the car while the victim went into the gym and worked out? Yes, ma'am. And did y'all know at that time, like, we're going to do it when he comes out no. of the gym or not necessarily? Not necessarily. No. So you're just following him to see where he goes? To see where he goes. And where did he go? To his house. Did you see the bus video that shows the Prius shortly before and shortly after the homicide? Yes, ma'am. And was that, were you driving the vehicle at that time? Yes, ma'am. Tell us what happened when you got to Mr. Martell's driveway. Well, he had, he had turned a, uh, he had, he turned a block before. We kept going. So we went in front of his house. So when he pulled in, we pulled in right behind. I pulled in right behind him. Is what you're describing, you entered his street from two different directions? Yes, ma'am. All right. And, and you met at his, did you meet at his driveway? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So you pull in behind him. What happens next? Garcia jumped out and shot him. How many times? Twice. Where was he standing when he fired the shots? Right, um, right in front of the driver's side, right in, by the driver. Did you see what the victim did during this attack? He put his hands up. How was it decided that Mr. Garcia would end up being the shooter instead of the original plan, which was for you to do it? When I was driving, I ain't had no time. He jumped out and did it. He had the gun the whole time. All right. So either one of you were willing to do it when whoever wasn't driving when the opportunity arose? <clears throat> Maybe, but it was it was really his job. So he took he did he did it. You mean he why was it his job? He's the one that was getting paid, but he knew about the whole thing. Well, you were getting paid too, right? Yeah, but I... But he secured the job. Yes, ma'am. The bus video that we looked at... Pretty cold, right? Pretty cold that, uh, you know, life is cheap. His uh, two... This guy's a Latin king. You could see uh, Louis, Louis Rivera and Sigfredo Garcia. Who's going to be the shooter? Whoever wasn't driving, you know, that's, uh, you could see this guy's not the smartest bulb in, in the lighting factory. I mean, uh, we'd use all kinds of euphemisms. Lights are on, but no one's home. You know, it seems, seems like he's got an empty bubble of a brain in his head. But um, this is what you deal with, you know, when you deal with people that kill people for money, you know. And just the, the frightening thing also is, is about, uh, like just prior to them shooting him, shooting Dan Markell, he dropped his kids off uh, to daycare. You know, what if these two mutts 
just decided to whack him in his car with his kids, you know? You know, they're not licensed, bonded, and insured, you know. They're two random savage hitmen, you know, that have no conscience. Uh and just, you know, incredible that uh you know that the family thought that this was okay. Let's 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 hire a couple of guys to kill him. Let's get him out because you know he won't move from his position of allowing his children to live near grandma in Miami, you know? So a good solution is just to kill him, you know? Isn't that amazing when you think about it? I'm not, you know, I'm not naive. I did 27 years in the NYPD, 10 in homicide. I've seen this stuff before. But when you step back from it and look at it logically, allegedly smart people, allegedly, educated people, they hire a hitman, right? They hire a hitman to kill their son-in-law because uh, he won't do what they want him to do, you know? He won't play ball. And this contentious divorce is just too much for Donna Adelson to handle, you know? She's used to getting her own way. So this is a, one of the ways she can get her own way is uh, we'll whack the son-in-law. You know, we'll get two thugs to shoot and kill him. Mm, you know, that's what a great idea, you know. And she's a sore loser. An absolute sore loser. Could not stand that this man was winning in court and we can't do exactly what we want to do. That my adult grown daughter can't move next to mommy and daddy because this man wants to be with his children and wants to raise his children that's twisted too that's absolutely twisted warped how did how does this compute in anyone's head how why would you take the life of these boys Father, why? Why? So their mommy could live down in South Florida in Miami? What? You gotta be kidding me. So as we sit here tonight, the question now turns to her. Did Donna Adelson, the mother-in-law, was she the one calling the shots here? Because at the, this past trial, you know, Charlie's sort of the mastermind here. But is he really the mastermind? Is it, or is there another level of all of this? Is his family so sick and twisted that mommy can get her son to orchestrate a murder? Like, like a Don in the mafia would have their capo go find some hitmen? Is that what Donna did here? You know, I said the same thing. Like, were they watching too many episodes of The Sopranos? Like, did they think that uh, this was okay to do and that if they did go through it, they, that they were going to get away with it? Because if anything, their approach to this was extremely amateurish and no way that they were going to get away with this. Because she's now been arrested and charged with the murder. We know she didn't fire a weapon. But her hands are all over a bunch of money 
And what exactly is her role in the family? Is this family that disturbed? That narcissistic? That it's more important for Wendy to be near mommy and daddy and her brother Charlie than for these two boys to have a father? So she's under arrest now, big news, and we heard from the state attorney. Take a listen. She was arrested last night in Miami International Airport. And was she leaving the country? Yes, we had information that she had booked a flight to Vietnam. The flight went from Miami to Dubai, and then there was a layover, and she, the rest of it was going to Vietnam. She was apprehended on the jetway getting on that plane. And will she be extradited back to Leon County? Sure. This doesn't actually require extradition because she's still in the state of Florida. That's one of the things when we found that she was leaving the country, extradition would have been an issue. We started talking to some of our federal partners about the complexities and how hard depending on what country she ended up with. If she stayed in Dubai, how that would be. If she were to go to Vietnam, what would that be? If she went somewhere else? And that was when the decision was made that we needed to kind of expedite because it's we don't have to extradite from Miami. She will be transported, though, from Miami to Tallahassee. Um, that's really between the sheriffs. It's an administrative issue. Because of safety concerns, we don't tell even the prisoner or anyone else when we're transporting prisoners. And so at some point by law enforcement, they'll, it'll be between the sheriffs. Sheriff McNeil and the sheriff in Miami-Dade will decide when she'll be brought up here. We learned about flight um, before 8 o'clock yesterday morning. Um, we knew the flight was at 8, so we had about a 12-hour window. Um, and then we had our normal day-to-day. -day. It was a Monday. Um, so it was quite a hectic day. Um, we investigatively met with my team here. Um, we were on the phone with a lot of other law enforcement partners, um, obviously the FBI, which was in Miami. Um, he actually drove down yesterday. So um, he was already kind of in, some of these things were in motion, but it, throughout yesterday we were working and the warrant was signed I think around six o'clock last night. So that gives you, that's about as best I can, you know, we find out about eight o'clock, six o'clock, I've got a warrant, eight o'clock, she's in custody, something thereabouts. When I woke up Monday morning, I did not make expect to make that decision that day. Um, but we've been working it since literally the day that he was killed. And we've been cumulative, making accumulation of evidence and making decisions as the case goes forward. Wow. So, you know, really amazing. Uh, and when you think of, like, if you think rationally, uh, and what they did was not rationally thinking, but I, I go back to this chart right here. And you look at that chart and you see um, four members of a family uh, well, if you count the deceased in Markel five, shattered by the murder of the husband, Dan Markel of Wendy Adelson. And then Charlie Adelson, life in prison. His mother, Donna, facing a trial, probably will get convicted and probably will get life. Harvey Adelson left to pick up the pieces. He may get charged down the road. And of course, Wendy. Adelson. So far, not charged, but 
All of you in the true crime world, um, you want to see her charged. And as as they say, as the, the attorneys have said, everyone hates Wendy because they believe she is somehow involved in this. And if not involved, she had the most to gain by this. And she's a bit snarky, you know, I would say, a bit snarky. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to keep covering this case as things move forward with Donna Adelson. And potentially, could there be a future arrest of Harvey Adelson and of Wendy? Is that a possibility? So we will keep following this. But in the meantime, I'm retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Have a great day and be safe. One episode, just ain't enough.